Welcome to the BLC Connection Podcast. I'm Brian Kell. I'm Karen Wilson. And I'm Michael Lawrence. Let's get connected. We're in seventh heaven. It's the seventh episode of the BLC Connection Podcast, and we are glad to be with you, Michael Lawrence. Howdy, howdy. Karen Wilson. Hello. Got a lot of stuff to get to. We always say that, but it's it's very true. And we thank you for joining us for this uh, new episode of the BLC Connection Podcast. Karen Wilson, you'll be grilling Micah and me on smart home stuff. Yeah, we'll have a discussion on applications that you and Micah both use in your home and maybe some future thoughts on uh, smart home technology. Taking folks inside the home of the Lawrence household and the Kell household could be kind of scary. We'll have to find out more about that as we go along. And Micah, you have bought, I see over here in the corner, your bag of trivia. Yes, I, I've, I've got a bag full. Um, it is going to be trivia this time, so I okay. hope I've got some that'll stump you. Up next, uh, we've got two guys coming in that are no strangers to, uh, to, to uh, really all of us here and to one in particular, a very close friend. We'll reveal who that is uh, or actually who the person is that they're really tied to in just a bit. Up next though, Albert Frazier. Bill Jennings, Network Operations. We're talking it here on the BLC Connection Podcast. It is the BLC Connection Podcast. Brian Kell, Michael Lawrence, and joining us, uh, I say all three of these guys, including Mike, I like to call them BAM. You know, you've heard the group Wham. This is Bam. This is Bill. This is Albert. This is Micah. It's Bam. It's three guys that... At one time, we're all in network operations together, and now we've actually. Got, you wondered if Mike, if uh, Albert was going to laugh, and I may have been able to maybe get into that really quick. Dude, I'm sorry, but you just lost me at Bam. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bam. <laughs> that it's may terrible. find its way into the uh, into the notes somehow. But uh, Bill Jennings, Albert Frazier, welcome to the BLC Connection Podcast. Well, thank you, bro. thank you. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about all things network operations. And, uh, and so what we're going to do here, first off, we'll start with Bill, work our way around the table. Bill, what is network operations? For folks that don't know. Network operations is the department that builds, maintains, and supports all the backbone infrastructure of the company. Everything to do with pretty much everything. Yeah. So we uh, build the network, we maintain the network, we work on the remotes out in the field, the vaults, uh, everything you see out on the side of the roads, we maintain those and, and help build them. Uh, pretty much a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. And Albert, you've been in it for a little while too. Network operations, what does that, that kind of mean to you? Oh boy. Um, I don't know, everything. It's uh, It's good work with some good people. Um, yeah, I just love working on the equipment. Yeah, there's a lot of equipment to work on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys find yourself out there quite a bit. Micah, you're no stranger, like we said at the very start of this. You spent quite a few years in network operations, and it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a department that doesn't get a, a lot of talk necessarily, but it's so vitally important. Yeah, it is, and, and when we take a look at network operations, we're thinking about, you know, all the remotes that are on the side of the road, they're, they're taking care of all the equipment that, you know, maintains or gives service to all of our customers. Um, you'll see Albert and Bill out there, you know, running fibers into the vaults or remotes or, you know, 
make, making all those connections. And like as Bill said, you know, you're going to have the backbone that goes from those remotes all the way back to here, and somebody has to help maintain all the equipment responsible to do that. So um, it, it doesn't get as much recognition because they're kind of behind the scenes, but they do a lot of work, a lot of great work. Um, you know, especially during storms and things. That's uh, a lot of people don't realize. Mm-hmm. You know, they they see the servicemen that come out to their homes, but there's also you know bigger pieces of equipment that you know we've got some equipment that um, hosts 48 customers on one piece of equipment. Making sure yeah. that that stays online and making sure it works is a is a big deal. So, Bill, how many years in network operations for you? Ten. And then Albert, uh, about three and a half four now and it's not 10 for you bill no i, I just got thought of that it's more <laughs> like six or seven six or seven and then albert you said how many about three or four okay that seems wild it seems like yesterday you were just getting into that and then mikey you spent how many years in network operations quite a few <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> well, stump micah how many years well you it, the, the, it, you know I, I was in the internet department which at one time wasn't necessarily considered underneath right. that umbrella so um now it is so it's it's kind of a mixture of a lot of different things because i switched from internet to switch room to you know now to managed it so yeah yeah and, we, and we've got some folks that have got a lot of uh, of years of service that we'll be talking about later on that that i know have been mentors to many of you to really all of you all probably in here but mike i'll let you take it away so um all three of us have had a similar journey in how we got to network operations. We all kind of started out in the, at that time, was called the CRC. Um, Bill, I know at one time you were, you were over the CRC. Mm-hmm. You know, we all came from the same place. But, you know, how important was it to, to start off in the NSC or CRC or now CSC? Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, <laughs> how, uh, you know, how important was that to transition you into network operations? How did it help you? Um, I say, Albert, first, how'd that help you? Well, uh, getting familiar with um, customer equipment and our equipment in general, having to try and troubleshoot that to help everybody out, it was, you know, a big step toward it. Yeah. Bill, how does it help you? Well, just like you said, it gives you a great foundation on supporting the equipment, getting to know the equipment, a lot of layer one issues such as uh, cabling and, and hooking things up and it helps you get in touch with the customers too because we um, you know we talk to them every day you know multiple customers and uh, everybody does things a little different mm-hmm. so you kind of get to know different scenarios in the ways that customers use our services i know that we, we've <coughs> spent a lot micah you and i and karen we've talked so much donette freeman's been in here with us about what the breeding ground of the csc is and in here including yourself which we've talked about before we've got three examples of of that starting point kind of that genesis of folks that have gone on to do other things in other departments it just again t- speaks to how important how vital that is to not only the customers but also to ben Loman. yeah it's it's a good starting point because as they're saying is you know from the the csc's perspective you're you're logging into the equipment you're you're doing all this configuration that you've been taught by a process but you've never actually seen that physical equipment out in the field mm. never actually hooked it up you know these guys deal with a lot of power they deal with cabling they deal with fiber um, you know it's not something you're gonna see over there but it's a good start to understand how the system works and how you know 
gets maintained. So, so a follow up to that, Albert. Albert, I start with you first because you talked about being able to, to at least get familiar with the equipment and, and and working with customers. How big of a learning curve was it jumping from the CSC into network operations? Uh, how, how was that process? Um, it's a pretty big jump, but um, it wasn't too bad getting getting to know everything on the other side of things, other than just talking on the phone. Now you get to work with it and look at it so it's um a little bit of a step but it, it wasn't too bad bill same yeah i think the biggest jump for me was dc power and uh and you know hooking up the different pieces of equipment what the voltage uh, differences were and, and that kind of thing so gotcha so guys when you're out in the field and and you know i guess when you go home I, we, we do know that there's an on-call schedule um kind of let everybody know when it comes to things like storms and ice storms Ooh, and this word yeah and <laughs> snow and uh, you know there's a lot of different things kind of tell us your experience of what you've been through before what what does that mean for network operations what do you guys have to do on a normal basis normally uh we do damage control um mm. we i mean if we have multiple areas out we're going to have multiple crews of this department going to each area um, I mean, it, really, when there's a storm, it's all hands on deck. Everybody in the department, and, and we go into it knowing that. You know, when we go into the department, it's understood when there's a storm, you're going to go out. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's no um, whatever, uh, being lazy. But uh, it gets it gets really stressful sometimes because you'll go for, you know, 16 hours a day working, and uh, it, it gets tiresome. And it's not just easy work, you know. You're throwing generators around and, and harsh conditions, rain, snow, mm-hmm. sleet, hail, whatever's coming down, you're in it. Yeah, and I know from uh, Bill and I, we, we used to ride around together when there was storms and, and things like that going on. And I remember one in particular, um, I think it was what, DeRosset? Um, it was Crossville. Bond, well, well, it's Crossville, too. Yeah. Um, but like DeRosset, Bondi Croft yes, area the there. Was, yeah. yeah. If there wasn't snow on the ground, you would have thought a tornado had came through. Uh, that that ice. You're storms. talking about the storm of 2015. Yeah, I think so. Really bad. And uh, you know there was transformers down, power lines everywhere. We were having to, you know, drive out in it. It was late at night, just to get up to Crosswell to put in some uh, some generators. And if anybody has never picked up a generator before, there, it's not really a one man job uh, on some of those. They're really heavy and. You know, sometimes we have to do that, even though, um, you know, our remotes have batteries in there to keep the power up. It can only keep it up for so long. So, um, you know, the, these guys are out there throwing generators out to keep the remote online to make sure that your service stays constant. So, Albert, I'll throw I'll throw this at you. You're, you're kind of one of the newer guys in that department over there. Um, some people might assume that, uh, you know, we've got guys spread apart all over the place and stuff like that kind of talk about you find yourself anywhere in the service territory on a given day correct no correct yeah. yeah almost almost somewhere different every single day yeah and i and i know that micah brought up storms and stuff I, from what i've heard both from you guys and a lot of folks here at ben Loman is that you know what rain's one thing flooding's another it's the i word it's ice that, that can be so deadly to what you guys do i mean you've been able to experience some of that really what made crossville extremely bad ice so it's just it's terrible you guys are going out in some of the worst conditions when you're telling everybody to stay home network operations is going out getting out in it and pairing up and doing what we can yeah and and bill i'll i know that that 
some pictures floated around that we showed out on social media wind damage i mean just mm-hmm. some of the things that maybe a remote can experience sometimes just from wind damage and doors getting blown off and stuff i mean you've seen some dicey stuff just in the time that you've been with network operations yeah i guess it was a year or two ago yep. it hit sparta mm-hmm. and it actually blew the doors off a remote and we had four or five people there just trying to glue everything back together basically um i remember that storm in particular because it blew over some train cars um there in sparta on their side so it was a it was a bad storm yeah and it destroyed a lot of of um our service territory i know and, and and micah talking to folks when when when, the, when you started getting those pictures in of the doors being blown off i'm always one to try to sit here and go okay let's try to put this in perspective how frequently does this happen and i couldn't get too many people to tell me anytime that doors have gotten ripped off of remotes yeah you're i mean there it comes every now and then um some are obviously worse than others but you know honestly it's not just storms um we we had a a vault so a vault is basically a smaller building um, up above ground or somewhat above ground we've had a car run right into it and manchester Mm -hmm. yeah damage it completely uh, to where it has to be fully replaced so you know it's just it's something all the time to be truthful just because our service territory is so large you know, it's it's always something. So. Whether it's mother nature or human nature, right? yes. Yes. <laughs> one of those two things is always going to end up uh, happening. Uh, Bill, I'll I'll throw this at you first. Uh, network operations, you know, it. You guys have alluded to it. It takes a combination, really, of some brains and brawn. Talk about kind of that balancing act of of the times where your brains need, and other times where you know you've kind of already mentioned it. You're slinging you know generators around everywhere. Talk about that. Well, the brains part comes into the network side of it when you're having to um, work on the, the network equipment here in the back. Uh, you're having to do a lot of high level networking work. Uh, it's it's very demanding on your your brain. <laughs> um, I mean we. Even aside from that, we're, we're having to deal with um, email problems and, and uh, phone problems. And the, you know, the phones work on a network just like back here. So mm-hmm. um, really every aspect of the job takes a lot of brains. And, and when you're putting in power, you got to pay attention to what you're doing or you can get hurt really quick doing that. So you have to, you have to think about what you're doing before you do it. Uh, on the brawn side, uh, when we're building these vaults and, um, you know, working inside the building and stuff sometimes we're having to move these cables around that have you know hundreds of fibers in them and which those aren't as heavy as the old copper but you're having to run them around the room and um and make sure they're very secure make sure they're not going to move you're having to throw the generators around um you know it's, it's just a little bit of everything so i know that that i've been so impressed over the years i know micah was involved in some of those meetings you were in some of those can't remember if it was albert that, that was there or not but but when there has been something that has required network operations to come together to try to troubleshoot something being kind of the fly on the wall in the back that's that's the marketing guy kind of just waiting for that information to be able to maybe talk to customers about and message that it's been so impressive to watch how this department comes together to troubleshoot something and the brains and wheels that are turning uh albert you being one of the new guys that's got to be something at times that's like wow that's a ton of information that's going through here to try to get to the root of the problem right oh yeah it can uh it can be a lot all at once, but once we all get together, it's just um, everyone just 
you know, if we've got an issue, throwing ideas out and trying different things and everybody working together for it. Yeah. So. Yeah. so so continuing this thought about the, the brains part of this is we know that there's a lot of different technologies that Ben Loma provides, you know, everything from telephone service to video to, to data. We know that there's a lot of uh, different technologies you guys have to keep up with. What's kind of some of the things that you guys, you know, we know that there's certifications that you might have to go through. What what are some of the, the different pieces that you, you have to know? You know, we, we obviously know networking. You have to know networking. But what else is there that you run into, would you say? We do have uh, different certifications that we get. Uh, one is a CCNA certification. Which uh, is? As we say, being, I'll be the dumb guy. What's <laughs> that exactly? Sorry, that's a Cisco Certified Network Associate. Mm-hmm. And um, you can progress up that ladder if you want to. Um, but And, and you, you're not required to get that certification, but it does help you in your job because we've got a lot of Cisco gear in the back that we have to maintain, and we have to build routes going out to other providers. Um, we, I was looking at getting a... Um, and I can't remember the name of it right Sienna. now. Yes, thank you. I was looking at getting a Sienna <laughs> certification, and uh, it put me on the spot there. I couldn't remember the name of it. But, you know, we go to school for these things when we can, and it really helps us because if, if we don't keep up to date on all this, we're just going to fall behind, and it's, it's going to be bad for everybody. Well, and I think a lot of people don't realize how many different, you know, technologies there are back here that you have to be, you know, intelligent in to be able to mm-hmm. you know it's it's easy to hook stuff up but when it comes to troubleshooting that becomes very difficult because it's not working the way that you know it to work and then you got to figure out as to why but you know when when you look at network operations you've got you know we've got the switch room downstairs um you know you're dealing with the phone switching service you got you know everything that's involved with that you've got you know the the internet so you got to take care of everything data wise networking wise like like bill's talking about but you also have um the video service you know our video mm-hmm. service that we use and how all that functions it's a little bit different too but what's great about what network operations is today is that it's all ip based pretty much a um, little bit different on the software side but it's still ip based and makes things lots easier to troubleshoot and deal with but it, it is a it is a task i would say yeah well i tell you what micah i'm going to ask you a question which which in some cases will pretty probably piggyback into you asking your fellow cohorts over here I've understood over the uh, months and years that the three of you all at times, after hours, let's make that perfectly clear, after hours, <laughs> not in the middle of storms and not during the middle of the day, no. do enjoy gaming together. Is yeah, that correct? That is correct. Um, pretty much after all our kids go to bed, we, <laughs> we, we get on and we start playing games. Um, I've had fun and enjoy playing with these guys. Um, you know, it, it, the goal of the night is to see if we can get Albert to laugh and just can't can't talk, and and it's uh, sometimes yep. it's a lot of fun to do that. So <laughs> it works but, most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it, it's it's a good way for us to relax. Um, you know, we all we all enjoy it. We all have good fun. So it's 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 great. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, uh, with with you talking about gaming, uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with Albert. What got you into gaming, and and as a follow up to that, what games are you playing now? So talk about when you first got started versus today. Oh, uh, first getting started, I mean, uh, I'd always watch my brothers play games. Um, 
most of the time on uh, Sega Genesis or yeah. Nintendo 64 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, playing, I mean, Metroid most of the time was the yep. first first game I watched them play, and then then it'd be Mario of some kind. Um, but yeah, now I think we all just get together mostly just play Destiny 2. That's a newer game. Good but, one. Yep. Good one. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people play Minecraft 2. We've done that a bit and a bunch of different ones, though. Yeah. Bill, what hooked you? And what's hooking you today? Well, I guess I'll show my age a little bit. My <laughs> uh, my first encounter with gaming was uh, back in the 80s with a Commodore 64. Wow, okay. Uh, I loved that thing, and I enjoyed playing it. I, I didn't play it as much, you know, because I would play outside when I was a kid. But uh, after that, I, I went to Nintendo. I remember when that debuted, and my rich friend had one, and I didn't. So I went over to his house and... Oh, we had sleepovers, and I'd play Mario all night. So. Was your rich friend Keaton Kale? No, no. Okay. He, I okay. wasn't uh, friends with him until I was about 16, so. A <laughs> little older. It went downhill from there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Life took a big turn after that. <laughs> so what are you playing today? Uh, well, uh, mostly like he said, Destiny 2, Minecraft. I, really, I, I got into online gaming with Micah more than anything. I, I started playing uh, Counter-Strike, which yes. is a first-person shooter. A lot of people would compare it to... Um, uh, Call of Duty, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, we, we started playing that online when I got into the CRC. And uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot because it's fun interacting with people online in, in you know in that environment. And friends. And and, and friends yeah. you work with and all that stuff. So I, I got to ask you, what got you hooked and where you playing today? <laughs> so I to. uh, obviously I, I'm the same as Bill. Um, of course, we started off on an Atari 7200. Um, that was that was fun when it was actually Mario Brothers. 7600 or 70. Uh, I think it's 7,200. That's right. It's 2,672. Yeah. You're correct. Yes. Um, so we started off with Mario Brothers before they came super. Um, so that was uh, <laughs> yes. that was an interesting regular part of it. Yeah, yeah, just the regular brothers. So, uh, But yeah, you know, we involved in just about every gaming system from Nintendo to whatever else they got out there nowadays. I've pretty much been involved in, always loved it as a kid. Um, but yeah, now it's just more of a. I love the story uh, on a lot of these games, but more than anything, I, I do like the cooperative side of it, to where we can all get together, have a laugh, have fun. But you know, like Bill said, when we started off with CS:GO, um, of course, I'm playing more a little bit of more of Valorant with uh, some uh, uh, nephews and, and friends from church, and um, I like the strategy. Mm-hmm. The strategy is a lot of fun because we're coordinating together, accomplishing the the same task so it's it's really good to to have that cooperation yeah good stuff that's something we a lot of us share so brian how did you get into uh, i will i'll make it quick and then we'll get to the final question ladies guy i was an atari 2600 guy because i'm the oldest guy in the room here and so and then that was you know that was space invaders that was missile command and then what i'm playing now i'm i'm trying to complete far cry 5 which is a fantastic game so that's what hooked me then and that's what took me today nice. but yeah that's those are always fun questions okay guys um i've always said that that the network operations department it's a lot like and we talked about this before we got on the air this is kind of ironic but it's it's a lot like a, a Top Gun Academy in my mind is that guys don't shy away from looking, you know, take on a problem or an issue and, and just get the job done. Bill, I'll start with you. Talk about the amount of experience that resides in that department and how I guess it would it would have to start with the father of the internet, right? Joe Hamby. But just talk about that experience that sits in this department. Well, there is a, a lot of experience in this department. Like you said, Joe Hamby, I've, I've always admired him ever since I started working here. I, and Micah got the the benefit of working closely with him when he started. Mm-hmm. 
and I was kind of in a different building when I started, but you know, I'd get these emails from Joe and it would it would just explain everything. You know, it was like getting an and email. <laughs> yeah, it was like getting an email from the Pope. It just told you everything. <laughs> you know, it, it was it was so far above my level that you know I just I, I got a huge amount of respect for him. And you know, and we still got a lot of that here. We, we've got people in the department that have got knowledge that I, I hope one day to learn. So yeah, Albert, you you've been able to see you know. So many of these guys, and and you you got some some great mentors to be able to learn from as you grow through, uh, go and grow through network operations. Talk about those guys that that have been here for a little while. Oh yeah, there's um, there's years and years of experience through everybody there. Um, You know, most of them know a lot of the same things, and then some know more than others. But it's just trying to learn little bits from them at a time to piece it all together. Micah, it's uh, it's like a lot of the departments, if not every department at Ben Lomond Connect. The combined knowledge of the people that make up the department is awesome and just uh, really helps Ben Lomond go. Yeah, and, and that's the reason why I say they're, they're kind of one of the most underrated departments because what people don't realize is, yes, there is tons of experience in that department. But the best thing about it is, and what I like about these guys is, they don't shy away from a problem. Mm-hmm. They, they all attack it together as a group. They work to find resolution. And, you know, that's exactly who you want to be there and why it is kind of considered that Top Gun Academy type thing is because, you know, you get in there because you're known for wanting to, to fix the issue. You want to work hard hours. You want to work hard at it. So, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Bill, Albert, Micah, Bam. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm still trying to coax a laugh out of Albert for coming on the uh, the BLC Connection podcast. Thanks for for all the folks that y'all are representing today and for the work that y'all do. Thank, Thank you, you, Brian. <laughs>the BLC Connection podcast and it's time for our Connected Home segment. I'm Karen Wilson and Micah and Brian are back to talk about living in a smart home. So let's start with uh, Micah. I'll throw this one to you. What is a smart home um, and what are some of the, the smart home possibilities? So when we say smart home, what we're referring to are different devices within your home that are, let's just say, internet connected. Um, The possibilities as of right now is (laughs) almost endless because we are seeing devices and internet and and Wi-Fi being put in multiple devices throughout your home uh, more than it ever has been been before. So yeah, there's a lot of possibilities today. So I guess anything a smart home can be anything that you're doing utilizing an app controlling things whether it's your thermostat whether it's your oven or your dishwasher or your refrigerator yes that's what makes a smart home okay so it's not really a panel in your home i guess you can take it to that level but Mm -hmm. any kind of app that you're using to control something yeah yeah absolutely doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be um, you know, a, a tablet sitting on the wall, but obviously that integrates with that smart home. 
Okay. So let's talk about the smart home, you know, or the devices that you all utilize in your home. Uh, Brian, what's some smart home technology that you use on a daily basis? So when we were talking about this particular segment, it was trying to figure out what we've got in our homes that, that, that are smart home capable. The one that I will use on a daily basis that I have really enjoyed since installing is I have, I won't give out the brand, but, but a type of garage door, um, device or garage door opener in which comes with an application that I can open, lower, set uh, times to be able to make sure like at the end of the night, if I want to make sure that my garage door is closed and it's not closed and it's cracked to let the dogs out or, or open to where my son is come in and out of that at a certain time each night, it will make sure that that garage door is closed. So with, with me, it's, it's the garage door, uh, capabilities of the application that I use when it comes down to this smart home technology. What about you, Michael? What do you enjoy utilizing in the app world? Well, since I'm a big nerd, I like a lot of different things. Um, I I also have a garage door opener. Um, What I like most about that is if I drive away from my house, I'll give you an example. My mother was driving away from her house yesterday and she got all the way to about Walmart and realized that she didn't, she didn't know whether she left the garage door open or not. She had a lot of things on her mind. She had to drive all the way back. So in my case, what I do is I can open up my app, and my app will tell me whether the garage door is open or closed and actually for how long it's been open or closed. So that's a lot of good information. Um, I've got actually got one uh, for my pool pump, believe it or not. I can um, look at my pool pump right now, see if it's on or off. Uh, I can set schedules, don't even have to be there, and it will control that. Um, then I had fun with my daughter and installed a bunch of home automation stuff in her room from anything from light bulbs to the ceiling fan to you name it. And, you know, had it where it can all cut on different things just by her telling her Google Home to turn this on or turn that off. Um, the last one I kind of I kind of like is I've got one of the Nest thermostats. Um, if anybody doesn't know what a Nest thermostat is, it is Wi-Fi connected. It allows me to set as many schedules as I want to of you know have it at this temperature at that time and all that. But what I like the best about it is when we go on vacation, I don't want to sit there and cool down the house to a super cool temperature and waste a lot of electricity. I can set it high, and about an hour before I you know, get home, you know, driving from wherever we've been, I can turn it on, turn the air conditioner on. So that way when I get home, it's nice and cool. So it's really awesome to, to be able to do stuff like that. Yeah, that's a great idea. It makes me want to, you guys make me want to buy a new garage door and, and things <laughs> like that. I was talking before we went, uh, when I was working on these questions that I kind of live in a dumb home. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of old school, but um, as you replace appliances and have to replace things, all of these technologies seems like come with most of the new appliances in, in whatever, you know, your your security systems and things like that. Seems mm-hmm. like they all just about have this technology now. Was there was there somebody like you or somebody we were talking to that, that actually jumped into and got a smart refrigerator? That's me. That is you. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that because that's fascinating. So, so what I like about it and also the thermostat as well i'll get monthly emails um so in particular on the thermostat more cookies yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so we uh on the thermostat it it tells me how many kilowatt hours i used um how efficient my unit was 
compared to other Nest thermostat users to see if, you know, am I, am I being energy efficient? Am I using a lot on electricity? And then it can also report a few problems too. So that's really neat. As far as the refrigerator, same principle, you know, it can report troubles. It tells me how many like liters of water that I've used out there. Then it actually, they follow that up with saying how many uh, plastic bottles I saved from the landfills. Huh. Um, I can also adjust the, the temperature on the refrigerator. And then of course they have some even more expensive ones that can send you your grocery list. Cameras. They've, they've got cameras. They've got some um, product identifying cameras inside the refrigerator and it can tell you what you have in your refrigerator right now. That blows my mind, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to pay for that. It's a lot more expensive, but yeah. As time goes along, you're going to see more devices just get connected. They they call this the Internet of Things, that just because everything's getting connected. I guess I didn't really think about that when I was working on the questions. I did get a new uh, bed that's a smart bed recently. Yes, so I, oh, did. I have go. a yes. smart bed now. Tell us about so, it. It's really cool. Yeah, it is. It kind of adjusts. You know, of course, it's one of the sleep number things, and it adjusts. But every night, um, or when I get up in the morning, I can check and see how I slept that night, how many times. I got up. My husband tends to, he works nights, so he's asleep during the day, and I can kind of see, you know, if he's tucked in and or when he gets up yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing. Not that I'm creeping or anything <laughs> like that, but, you know, it, it is very interesting. It's taught me a lot about the how I sleep and, and that type of thing, if I'm up a lot and that kind of stuff. So it is very informative. You don't have a dumb home. See, she's <laughs> I got guess a bed. Not. I guess it's so, we've not had it very long, but we're really enjoying it. So yeah. we haven't even made the first payment so that's coming (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately so um tell me how this smart home concept uh how you see that evolving into the future so obviously we're i think we're already seeing it you know i mean who would have thought that their refrigerator was going to be wi-fi connected i think we've had somebody on here talk about their stove is wi-fi connected you know it's it's all these different appliances that we're going to have in our house are going to be, you know, integrated into this smart home because we like information. We we know that because that's basically the premise of the internet at one time yeah. is just information. And, you know, to be able to see how much I'm utilizing this, how much I'm utilizing that. I've seen there's actually a smart toothbrush that keeps up with, you know, how many times you brush and if you're doing a good job. And Wow, you know, I needed that when my kids were little. Yeah, exactly. So, yes. you know, there, there's so many different applications and everybody's seeing the benefit of this. So as time goes along, they're going to improve upon these. You know, at one point in time, the smart light bulbs that you see, you know, at some of these big box stores, you're, I mean, they were, didn't make sense to buy because, you know, we were buying bulbs at what, two or three dollars a piece. And, uh, you know, these were like 50. Uh, nobody's going to do that. But now they're getting lots more affordable. You see them at like Black Friday sales and, you know, and, and people are putting them in their homes. So it's just going to evolve as far as, you know, when cost gets cheaper, as they see new applications, you're going to see some really cool stuff. Does the smart home technology just kind of further the need for home security and, and some of the things that, that we've offered at Ben Loman, I guess, to keep our network protected? It, it does. Um, as far as the physical part, I think yes. Um, 
you know, I've got a, a deadbolt on my front door that is Wi-Fi connected. Really? Yeah. So I can. And what's great about this is one, I I'm, I don't want to have to keep up my keys as little as possible, right? So it's got a touchpad on the top of the front of it, and I can type in a code. And what's great about this, if I have a visitor coming out, or let's say I'm, I'm, I've got the bug guy coming, you know, he's going to spray for bugs. I don't have to give him my code. I can actually log into the app, give him his own pin. He uses it, and once he leaves, I can delete that out, and he no longer can get in. So, you know, in terms of physical security, you know, you can get people in there that need to be in there. You can keep people out. Um, you know, lots of those are integrated. You see, like, the, the ring um, doorbells. You can see if someone's on your front porch. So there's a lot of physical security that you can, can do with home automation. And I was going to say, too, the you know, kind of getting back to the devices that we've got, in, in allowing access for folks um, with, with both of our garage doors right now if somebody was if Micah's mom was at his house or if my mom was at my house I could lift that garage door up right now they could grab whatever they want to be able to get or get inside the home if that is unlocked or something like that so the ability to be able to allow your family members uh, to be able to come into your world, you know, have in the old days you had you had to run back over to the home and let them in or give them a key. Now you've got the ability now to manage that. We always talk about this, you know, to manage uh, that type of situation and it be a very secure situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you'd have a hide key. That's true. Yeah, yes, you did the have a hide key. Hide key. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I get. You know, it's fascinating. I guess how many. Uh, porch pirates that these smart home applications have busted it makes you feel a little better about who's at your door because a lot of times you can look and see uh, if it's the person you were expecting uh, if someone's getting packages that shouldn't be and we're going to have an answer for that here very soon. Yes, yes. Stay tuned. And, okay. stay t- and just, just one of the great things about stuff like that, you you know, you get alerts when there's motion, when there's somebody on your front porch. Mm-hmm. That's important to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll see some cool stuff coming soon. Yeah, I had the little uh, porch cam, and I had a squirrel, Bob the squirrel, <laughs> and he put <laughs> mine off quite a bit. I had to finally turn it off because mm-hmm. he was quite active. <laughs> so what is the, I guess, the coolest thing that um, that maybe feature or application that's out there that's maybe underutilized right now. So I'll give this some thought. And I think the one thing that's the most underutilized, just because I'm a nerd and I think these things are cool, is most of these applications, they call it different things, but um, most of them kind of call it something to the effect of called scenes. And what the idea of a scenes yeah. is, is like you're building what you want to happen at a touch of a button. So, for example, um, you know, you can have a motion sensor in the front of your house that when your car pulls up, it automatically opens the, the garage door, turns the porch light on, turns the TV on, or starts playing music. And you have to kind of build... Dials that the, thermostat into where it needs yeah, to be. Yeah, dials the thermostat, lets, lets the thermostat know, hey, you're home, cut your cell phone. Um, you know, it, it builds all of this with a, a click of a button or a motion or some event that sets it off. And a lot of people don't know that, so they, they're just like, okay, well, I got this light bulb, I plugged it in, it's connected, and I can hit a button on my phone, and that's it. But they don't think about you know, creating these big, nice, uh, you know, scenes of where when you press one button, it does like multiple things at once. Mm So I could, you see that at Christmas, it can turn on the Christmas lights and start the music and all of, I mean, people have been doing things like that for a while now. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really now all controlled on your phone. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you both for giving our audience and myself some ideas to make our lives easier and the utilizing of smart home technology. So thank you, guys. Thank you. We are back with Connect with BLC. Karen, what can we see at Channel 6? Well, by the time this airs, I would say we will be breathing a sigh of relief that the (laughs) August election has concluded. Uh, Lots of work still going into that as we record this. Uh, Also, we'll be getting ready for football game, football season uh, time to kick in. So, um, as usual... Um, the White County football will be airing on Channel 6. So that's some of the things coming up with the fall. Awesome. Yep. So, Karen, we know we got uh, some big events that everybody has to go to. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, get it, take, take out some loans. What would our be without fair time? Because, yeah, I they mean, wouldn't be. they wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, what else did we have to do back in the day? And yeah. it, it is, it's a fun time. So, I'm going to give everybody kind of the fair dates that are coming up pretty soon the Van Buren County Fair, August 27th through September 3rd. And then getting into Coffee County and White County is actually going to be the same week this time one starting on september 2nd the other starting on september 3rd be going through that weekend then of course the warren county fair and as of recording time the grundy county fair has not been scheduled so we're waiting on that but with fairs uh, we're going to be bringing our new biz box to a couple of those yeah so everybody will see what we're talking about it's a big trailer uh, office type thing a very uh, it's going to be a great booth space for us to work out of for some of the fairs that we don't have that at also too we'll give a little bit of breaking news on this podcast as far as what to expect because let's face it if you come to the fair and you come to the ben loman booth you want to get some goodies right yeah so we'll tell you right now that this year's goodies for the kids some cool sunglasses in ben loman red ben loman blue and ben loman yellow and also for the adults and kids too got some pretty cool keychains they've got the is it poppets is that what they call them karen yeah, the, the kind little of the, poppet mm-hmm. yeah deals yeah. That, that are on there in ben loman red and ben loman blue and ben loman yellow so there's a little bit of a tease as to what come to get what to come to get from us at the Ben Loman booths. Yeah, we got to make some decisions on what people are registering for, but uh, we always yeah. solicit our customers for some great items, and and as we get closer, we'll have those decisions made. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, guys. So now, dun, dun, dun. I've got something a little different today. Oh. oh. So okay. we're going to do a little trivia. Okay. These are kind of funny, interesting trivia questions. We'll be the deciders of that. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. As long as it's pop culture, I'll be okay. Yes. So what country has a unicorn as a part of its national emblem? Oh, my gosh. Sweden? So you're about Sweden. Gee, Let's I don't know. Let's go with um, Ireland. Close. Scotland. Scotland. I was going to say Scotland. Really? Yeah, believe okay. it or not, it has a unicorn. And it's, I, I've seen it on their flag. I had to Google it. Just I was like, no way. Wow. But, yeah. I was so close. So, okay. now here's an interesting one. And I'm, I'm going to do a two-parter here. In the, By the way, did you catch my wonderful accent for speed? That was very good. Speed, I that love, was yeah, I strong. love that. And with, with the hair and the look that you've mm-hmm. got, very Abba-esque. 
you kind of you kind of got true. the Abba, Abba look. There. I watch Abba a lot Abba. of Hogan's Heroes at night, and they're always throwing those accents in there. So I just had to, to use it. I'm <laughs> sorry. Not sink. I like it. Not sink. <laughs> I think every one of those actors were American. <laughs> they, they were, or or English, probably. Who yes. knows? Yeah. All right. So this is going to be a two part question. Okay. On the upper left hand part of a keyboard. Okay. It's got a little squiggly line. You can see it right here. Okay. Squiggly line. What's that called? What's it called? Oh, I have no idea. Have um, you heard it before? I don't even know. What can you tell us what it does? Uh, Isn't that meant to put an emphasis on on a word? Right. Well, is it does it go over a word? It doesn't stand it, alone. It, it actually goes over certain letters in the Spanish language. Oh, yes, in like ours. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, but What's that it's called? it's actually used. Did you take in Spanish? Yeah, I did, Spanish but that's, too. I've had a lot of Spanish, but yeah, I don't remember. We've slept since then. Yes, yeah. it's it's used for different functions oh, on a computer, but so mm, I don't know. Starts don't know. with a T. Trill? No, no. That's a good guess. Yeah, don't know. It's a tilde or a tilde. Oh yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah. So I like that's a great question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna give you another one off this, and you've probably seen this before. When a question mark immediately follows an exclamation mark. Yes. What's it called? <laughs> Is that, it's another Spanish thing. No, 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 it's not another Spanish yeah, thing. Yeah, when oh wait, oh not upside down. No, 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 not, not upside, upside down. down. Okay. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. What is that when you have a question mark following an exclamation point? Yes. What's it? I didn't know that there was a term. I didn't either. I don't know. See, I was an English lit major, not yeah. a grammar person. Now, I wasn't mm. even a major. It was my minor, but I'm a, yeah, mm -mm. Well, I don't for, know. For all our listeners, it's an interrobang. How do you spell that? I-N-T-E-R-R-O-B-A-N-G. Interrobang. <laughs> Bang, exactly how it's. And wow. according to the definition, it's a non-standard punctuation mark indicating a question expressed in an exclamatory manner. I do that. I don't know if you've ever got a text from me, but sometimes I'll do like not just one. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do three. I'll mm -hmm. do like the question mark and I'll swap them up if it's like something that really it's shocks like, me. Can you believe this? Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Interrobang. And an interrobang. If I remember that, I'll be uh, <laughs> doing well. Now, here's going to be a surprising, and I'm gonna be, uh, I'll be impressed if you guys actually know this. What common spice can be fatally poisonous? You're the cook. Oh, Faded. Uh, oh, 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 wait. Isn't it the one that's in uh, spaghetti? It's like the... Uh, I'm a, can I give my guess? Yeah. Bay leaf. No. Dang it. Hmm. Tarragon. No. This will surprise you. Nutmeg. Isn't I that think it, isn't that, that in like movie? There's like some, been some movies about nutmeg or something. So according to my research, it says the consumption of as little as two teaspoons of ground nutmeg at once can be toxic. And it listed a bunch of things that it could do to you and really? very could be fatal. And you know, there's a lot, especially around the fall season, there's yeah. quite a bit of uh, nutmeg in mm -hmm. things, pumpkin pies, all kinds of... And, uh, and, and I'm assuming it's a straight consumption of it as opposed to being in... A, a yeah, recipe, yeah. So. so don't go munching on any nutmeg. Yeah, blew, don't. it blew my mind. Didn't know that. Well, so. Thanks for making us feel really. <laughs> I dumb. know. I thought I was going to feel smart, but we go from smart homes to just dumb answers. Hey, all I know is you guys are slacking. You got to pick it up. We we are. You're right. We're going to have to do some studying before our next podcast. So until next time, I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks, Mike. Thank you. Uh,
Well, the seventh episode of the BLC Connection podcast has come to a close. And Micah, before you get into ways that folks can get in touch with us, somebody actually did reach out to us and said they really appreciated the uh, fiber episode that we kind of went in details as far as how fiber is brought to the home. So Seth from Warren County, thanks so much for listening to the BLC Connection podcast. How can folks like Seth be able to reach out to us, Micah? Absolutely. They can submit their questions or look at us on the BLC uh, Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or hey, just plain on email us at blcpodcast at benloman.net. And you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and all a bunch of crazy other ones I don't really remember. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of things to be determined, you've got some kids determining their future. The future of the next episode of the BLC Connection podcast is yet to be determined, but we're sure to try to bring you a fantastic guest and, and talking about topics. Uh, that are important to you. Please, as we've said before, reach out to us. Let us know what you like, dislike. Uh, we This podcast is for you. So uh, we thank you so much for listening to another episode of the BLC Connection Podcast. Michael Lawrence. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Karen Wilson. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yes. Everybody out there, stay safe and please stay connected. <laughs>